I'm ADHD, as you can tell. I got the I got the attention span of a dust mite on crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, maybe even less. What? Anyway. Okay, uh, I'm Lucian Barosti, singer-guitarist with Truth and Agony here in Saskatoon. And this is episode 63 of the Sit Down Podcast. <laughs> Hey, I'm Mark. I'm Joel. These episodes of the Sit Down Podcast are brought to you by Funky Moose Records. Uh, subscribe to the channel, like this video, comment below, and ring the bell because it really helps us out, you guys. And uh, check out funkymooserecords.ca for all your used new records, used and new records, and accessories. And merch. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Right on. So that there's our intro. Awesome. So, Welcome and thank you thank for you. joining us tonight. Thank, thanks for having me, man. Right on. Right. How, how have you been? Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's funny because with this COVID stuff, does anyone really know how we are, have been, <laughs> are going to be, you know, you know, like right? I'm, I'm still, I'm still alive. I'm not sick. And uh, it's another day on, on the planet, right? Could be a lot worse. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, so we're going on, for those of you at home, we are doing Zoom again tonight. We were trying something else, but we, like every other week, we had some technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, the whole premise of the other app is that you can uh, record in high definition on your device. So in our oh, case, cool. our computer and on your on your phone. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that's not all worked out yet, I guess. Yeah, yeah. to work out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technology, eh? That's why we have Zoom yeah. as a backup. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew Zoom worked because I did an interview not too long ago with Zoom, so I'm like, if it worked, then it should work now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Who did you do the interview with? Uh, I did an, an interview uh, with uh, Galaxy 107 FM News in uh, New Zealand. Uh, I thought it was just like some small radio station, but like 9.5 million people tuned into this interview. I was like, oh, hi world. You know, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just like a small group of people that would listen, but he's like, no, we're like out there, you know? So it's on my Facebook too. Right. So I posted the interview and just gathering press and stuff like that. Right. It's pretty cool. Cause we got an album coming out here as soon as humanly possible. Like it's done. It's ready to be pressed and just, the, the, when you're when you're doing shipping and stuff and you're dealing with these big companies to get your album pressed it's just a nightmare right now with yeah. covid like an absolute nightmare in in the states like people are reading in the press like we're reading in the paper that, that the states is all open well it, it is but that's people just saying hey we're going to keep doing this it, it, it's not like mandated and it's not like they you know uh i have a few friends that work in industry down there and they're like yeah we're, we're not even allowed to work and if we are we're only allowed to work at quarter capacity for so long right like it's just a nightmare especially here in canada where we kind of follow the u.s sort of thing and if the u.s doesn't know what's going on neither do we right and there's just no end in sight to this right so hopefully these vaccines work we can get back to normal and get back yeah. to playing some shows and touring and stuff like that right because with an album coming out we're not even allowed to play to support it in saskatoon right so right. yeah it's really it's really hard to charge people to come see a show where you're not allowed to leave your table and go talk to other people like as a music fan i know i wouldn't want to pay to for for that you know so i wouldn't really blame people but hopefully these restrictions loosen so we can get to some shows and stuff like that and get back to playing right 
Yeah, for sure. I think they will. Like now that summer's around the corner, I think once I think so, I think so too. Yeah, and these vaccines, like for better or worse, yeah, there's some side effects, but they're 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 showing at least they're doing something right, which is better than doing nothing, you know. So yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a step in the right direction. But as soon as they say we're able to play, like we are definitely going to hit some stages all over Saskatchewan as soon as possible. We've been ready to go for months, and as soon we're just waiting for the green light, right? Like, and we can release the album and start playing it. And until then, we're just kind of at uh, the mercy of what the restrictions are. Because remember, we were kind of locked down for a while, and then they loosened it up for a little bit, yep. and then two weeks later, we went back on lockdown. So if it's going to well, be I the think, start, yeah. it that's was like two weeks. We were, I think that's yeah. We went to we were in Saskatoon. I think that was like those two weeks where we saw um, Mo Marley. No, well, no, it, it was actually more recently too that that restrictions got tightened I, up again. I think in this whole okay. pandemic, restrictions have only loosened twice. I think they've only been loosened yeah. twice this whole pandemic. Once was in like last summer, and then once was just recently. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, now nah, like I have friends that live in BC that play in bands, and even in BC you're not allowed to travel to different parts of the province, let alone outside the borders. Right. Like, so it's, it's, it's right. different everywhere. Like Ontario is completely locked down. There's nothing open. Like yep. it's, yeah, that's it. Right. So I don't see how we can stay not locked down. I know I, I heard a little birdie told me that in Alberta, I'm not sure when this is going to get implemented or if it's going right now, but there's going to be a program called, um, like curbside concert or something like that have you yeah heard yeah i have i right. have heard of this yeah have you heard of this mark yeah yeah no no no, I, no I haven't so okay what it, basically <laughs> what it is think of it like I'll, I'll try and explain it the way i understand it think of like sask music yeah as the organization what happens is if you want a concert you would call sask music and book a concert at the edge of your driveway for like 300 bucks let's say you want to see uh Mo Marley play at the end of your driveway. So for three hundred dollars, Mo Marley comes out and they play like a little private set. Yeah, he'll do it. They'll go in like your backyard while you're on your deck. And it's yeah. I've noticed it's a lot of a lot of country folk, like a lot of country guys and girls are doing that right now, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think if you're just like a singer songwriter, you can do it, but there's no way you're gonna haul two Marshall stacks and drums to someone's driveway. Right? Like, yeah. It doesn't work right. that way, right? Yeah, it'd be like an acoustic kind of thing. I, I yeah, presume, yeah, yeah. They're doing yeah. that in Alberta. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, the people that are doing it are booked solid. Like people yep. are screaming for it, screaming yep. for and, it. Yeah, like, like three hundred. But well, I don't know if they get the full three hundred dollars, but I know it costs three hundred yeah. bucks. Uh, have uh, I, uh, have uh, I, is is Sask Music trying to do this too? Well, it it's not. As far as I know, I think it's in. No, Vancouver, they're not here. Alberta and Ontario. I think and Ontario, yeah, yeah. Manitoba is going to do it next. To- yeah. Hmm. And, and so, so what they're doing is like, um, if you're like acoustic or just singer songwriter kind of thing, whatever. Yeah. I think, I think it's 50, 50, the split, like the pay split, which if you're not playing anywhere else, isn't bad. You know what I mean? Cause at least you're it's playing. Yeah. And, and people are going to want to buy like merch. They're going to want to buy CDs, things like that. You know what I mean? And at least you're getting out there. You know what I mean? It's, it's right now people, people want to do this live concert thing where you're like selling tickets for virtual concerts. Yeah. And and it's just not the same. Like we've all been to shows, right? You go to shows for the experience to meet people that like the same music you do and shit like that, right? So you're not gonna pay 70 bucks to sit on your couch and watch a band on a screen. Like you're just you're not gonna do that, right? So, but how is a band supposed to stay viable 
if you're selling on-screen tickets for $10, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's really hard to make money, you know? And, and you also don't want to be overcharging your fans, which when a band does that, I look at that like a screw you, you know what I mean? Like, so your, your bands are kind of caught in this kind of gray area right now where they're saying that businesses are open 25%. So if they're open 25%, you should be allowed to play a small acoustic show and be able to make money off at 50, 60 people at $10 a head, right? But they're saying that they want to have privacy, like uh, glass, like plexiglass between band members. And if you're on a stage, it's not six feet, it's 12 feet, right? So you're, the amount of people you're allowed to have in a venue literally depends on the size of the venue itself. You take a tape measure from where they're allowed to have people outside the door to the bathroom door, and that's how many people you can fit in. And you literally have to sit there with a tape measure and figure out how big your audience is going to be. I know some bands that are playing at uh, like coffee houses and stuff, and they have to turn people away. You know what I mean? They're only allowed 40 people, right? Yeah. So, or 30 people or 10 people. A place that holds 60 people with COVID can hold like 15. So, if there's like 120, be 30, and so on and so forth, you kind of base it on that. And it's just, it's impossible to make a living. Some of those guys I know are just working legit jobs. Like I'm uh, doing reno on houses myself right now because I just, I couldn't support myself with music, you know? Right. 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 And, uh, and, and it's funny because like the mental health issues that are coming from like the lockdowns and stuff, my, my father actually brought up a really good point to me. He said, you know, I was thinking about these restrictions and this lockdown business and stuff. And he was saying, if the first lockdown worked, why another one? And if the first lockdown didn't work, why another one? Pretty, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 It is. It is, a, is am I wrong in thinking that it like, is Canada the only one that's like on a lockdown right now? Like the States. No, are- other- oh no. India is some, bad. Some, oh yeah. Bad, bad. We, we, uh, Canada actually just canceled all flights. If you're coming from India, you're not coming here. But, right. but what, what's to stop them from jumping over the border to Bangladesh and coming here or to somewhere else and coming here? You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's just yeah. our, our restrictions are so porous. And here in Saskatoon, we actually just had one of these uh, anti-mask rallies uh, where they were bringing children to it. Like they were yeah. one. It was a it was a kids rally. And I, I like, listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not an anti-masker. You know what I mean? But I do find some problems with the way the government is is forcing us to do certain things you know like I, that it's part of a bigger picture right i'm not political at all neither of the guys in my band but uh we we are headed for a dark time if things don't turn around fast in canada right and like we we sold off our places to make vaccines and stuff like why did we do that you know what i mean and we sold them while this pandemic was happening too I, 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 I'm not a conspiracy theorist in the slightest. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't have the patience for it, but there's some points that there's some points that are being raised about this that really do make you want to ask some questions, right? You know, like uh, I wasn't, I wasn't brought up to uh, just accept everything as fact. I was brought up to question and to ask, you know, yeah, uh, questions sure. that are constructive. Yeah, totally. You know I think I mean? that's, I, that's healthy as, as a human race. I think we should be asked. I agree. So, I agree. And I, and I, and I, I teach my, I teach my children that too, especially, you know, uh, I remember when I was a kid, like uh, I'm, I'm 40 years old. So when I was a kid, I remember if like an adult was yelling at you, like you were in shit, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that was some serious yeah. stuff. Right. And now you see kids like just the way kids treat adults and like, it's just, it's madness. You know what I mean? And yeah. the world, the world since Clinton kind of has steadily 
just kind of gone down. But remember that it happened a little bit at a time so that it didn't happen all at once. And you didn't notice like, hey, there's something wrong here. It happened a little bit at a time and we were all okay with it. And now that the curtains lift off on what's left, people are like, oh, well, how did we, how did we agree to this? Well, we did, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's a really scary time. But it's also really, COVID's really showing a lot about the human race, about who we are. Like, COVID has really, really divided us as a country, you know? Like, it's super divided us. I know people in Saskatoon here where these anti-mask protests are like, these, are, these arguments are coming to blows, you know? Like, people who have been friends for 15 years are no longer friends anymore over yeah. this, you know? Yeah. Whereas myself and the guys in my band, we just choose not to make it such a big deal, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you don't want to get the vaccine don't if you do do that's the good part about being in canada is we have that choice right and yeah. uh and, and people are just sick of it they're sick of being locked down they're sick of being told what to do they're sick of being scared they and, and i don't blame them you know so if they were like well, well we're gonna have a big freedom concert in saskatoon and everyone can come social distancing of course we would gladly volunteer our time here in saskatoon there's uh, a safe injection site i'm actually a recovering addict myself and uh, our city has denied funding to this safe injection site. I read that. But it, it, just madness, absolute Stupid. madness. And you know what it's going to take? And it's really sad that it's going to take this. And I was an opiate addict. I've never used a needle, but I was still on the pills and the heroin and the fentanyl and all that. But it's going to take one of these politicians' kids dying. It's going to take one of these politicians' kid thinking that he's snorting a line of cocaine and it's really fentanyl and ODing and dying for there to be a law when there should have been a law changed when the first person died. It's obvious that we have a problem here in Saskatoon and the fact that they're not willing to allot the money that is going to save people's lives. Just, it just shows the indifference and, and, and the, such a wide gap. Right. The split, the right? And, yeah. There is no middle class in Saskatoon anymore. There really isn't there. There is, there is ultra poor and ultra rich. And both sides hate each other and are unwilling to have any meaningful dialogue about it to, to solve the problems, right? So a lot of bands are using music as, as a way to, to express that about what's going on. Truth and Agony is no different, right? Like we, uh, we, we, we fully support any, any type of harm reduction, right? Where it helps people because that's what it's for. Like looking, looking at drugs, like you're going to get rid of them is a, a waste of time and a waste of money. And it's been proven, like how much money have we spent on this war on drugs since Nancy Reagan said it in 79 or 80, right? Like hundreds of billions of dollars. And all we did was lock a bunch of nonviolent people up for weed and yeah. seize a bunch of assets. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And the gangs just got richer and, and it's never, ever going to change here in Saskatchewan like that, as long as people keep in that headspace. Right. So you look at cities like Vancouver that are so progressive and try and find solutions to help its people, right? Like, why can't we be like that here? You guys aren't in Saskatoon, eh? Where are you guys? You're up by uh, uh, nope, Yorkton, aren't you? No, no. no oh, you're yeah. yeah, we're between Saskatoon and Prince Albert. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. That's, we're, that's we're north, north here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're about an hour away. I was actually born in uh, Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. And I, I got given up for adoption at birth. And I spent the first nine months of my life in a residential school in uh, Boval, Saskatchewan. I got adopted from there. And then I grew up here. My father was uh, the deputy chief of police of Saskatoon when he retired. My father is Gary Brosty. I'm, I'm Lucien Brosty, his son. And I remember growing up thinking that uh, the world was this wonderful place where everybody's so helpful and, and you know, 
I, I, I learned otherwise very, very quickly. And I was able to use music as a way to kind of like fight my way out of it because like I was a drug addict and I was in prison and my life was just a, a, a complete disaster and, and I had no hope and I had no future and no goals. And, and then one day I was just like, you know what, man, this is, this is really stupid that I keep doing this to myself. I'm hurting the people that I love. I'm hurting my body. I'm hurting my mind. And I'm a really good guitar player and I'm wasting these talents. So over the years I'd written a bunch of songs and, uh, I decided to record them. And then when I recorded them, I figured I would just kind of release it just to say I did it, you know, like, Hey, here, here's the goal that I made. But the response was so overwhelming for people screaming for more music that I was forced to form a band and start writing. So we, uh, we, I, like I, I, I recorded, I recorded this entire first album pretty much by myself and then formed the band after it was almost done. And now we're already starting to write our second album here, which we're going to be recording in uh, at uh, Tone Shifter Audio Soundcastle Studios. It's in Viscount, Saskatchewan. Okay. Uh, Chris Douglas, I actually knew him very personally from uh, when I was a kid. I, uh, I went into foster care here in Saskatoon in the 90s. I remember at the time, if uh, you were... Uh, like a little bit different or if you you know you just you had behavioral issues or stuff you know average teenager shit that you got thrown into the into the system because parents didn't know how to deal with incorrigible youth right so a whole legion of kids here in saskatoon from 1993 until 1999 uh went into and aged out of the foster care system and i'm no different so i met this chris douglas guy who owns Soundcastle. I was just learning how to play guitar. I was 14 years old and he, him and he, him and I became like best friends when we were kids, you know, like uh, it was an escape from a really bad situation in a foster home. And his dad, like to this day is one of my heroes because I remember I had to ask the foster workers permission to go there. So I would go there and it would be like nine o'clock on a Friday night and they would want me to come back home. So they would call and say they were coming to pick me up. And his dad was he kind of caught the play about what was going on in this foster home. And he was like, yeah, you know, he's not coming back tonight. You want him to come get him, but you're not coming to my house, you know? So he just let us sit there and play guitar for days and months and months on end, hours and hours. And I don't know how he put up with that shit. Cause we were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, well, we were little kids and we had amps that were way too big for kids our age. And we loved it, you know? <laughs> I remember my parents buying me a, a Fender amp with a one twelve inch speaker and my dad telling me when I was in my 30s that it was the single bigot, biggest regret he ever had in his life was getting me that amp, you know? <laughs> and, because, and, I, and I had a blast, you know what I mean? Because to like I, I did end up getting in trouble in my life, but it was a conscious choice, you know? I made that decision. But as a teenager, I never got in trouble. And playing guitar is why I didn't, because I would stay home and practice so instead of going out and doing drugs and getting girls pregnant and causing problems or whatever i stayed home and played guitar and it, it really worked out for me so i aged out of foster care at 17 and then i started uh this is all a true story too you know <laughs> i started hitchhiking and train hopping i started hopping trains around canada and the united states and i stayed on the road for about 17 and a half years like I, I pretty much started living an actual, like I didn't even get my first ID until I was 28 years old. I didn't have my first bank account until I was 33. I just, I lived completely off the grid. I just, 
you know, I was a street person. I would go into the cities and very nomadic existence. And when I got out of prison in 2018, I went in 2015, I got out in 2018. I came back to Saskatoon in uh, 2019 from Winnipeg. And then I met uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, and she was just, just, she was like, you got to focus on music. Cause I was still using at the time. Right. And uh, I started ODing all the time. Like it just, it, it got bad. You know, it was at the point where it was like, Hey, hurry up and die. So we can quit worrying, you know? And so I got clean. I went to uh, talk to my doctor and I got on Suboxone, the medication, kind of like methadone you know so it really gave me my life back and I was able to record this album and uh finish it get a band start writing new music and now most of the venues in Saskatoon are wanting us to come play our Facebook page is blown up our YouTube is blown up like just people people are wanting to to hear what we have to offer and we're more than happy to do it as soon as we find a stage that won't get a $15,000 fine for having us on it right yeah no doubt you want to hear something else that I've learned? Okay, we've all we all we have all heard about businesses and individuals being fined for COVID violations, right? Yeah. How many people? How many people or businesses do you know that have actually paid one? You know what? That's funny you ask that because I just looked that up. I think it was on Sunday. I was looking up those stats too. If yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, in 2020, I think it came out to like 25 percent of the fines that were given out in 2020 have been paid. Yeah, I seen this article where they said it was from February of this year, where they said it was in February. There had been 46 tickets to date. Uh, only four made it into court. All the rest got tossed out. And of the four that made it into court, only one person had to pay. And yeah. these are being tossed. Yeah, yeah, they're being tossed out for like civil rights violations, right? Yeah. People are arguing it. And, it. and it sucks that in order for people to get their shit together, we have to go all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, right? Like we shouldn't. We shouldn't have to make a court case out of something that's so simple, right? But you get uh, you get with something like a virus. If one person doesn't follow the directions, it's still going to be there. And you know, like you, yeah, people where we're just at the mercy of this thing, right? So we have to all get get it together somehow, right? Because I definitely don't want to sit at home for another five years by myself or with my wife. <laughs> don't lock me in here with her, please. <laughs> yeah oh she's great she's great do you have any kids i do yeah. uh, a 10 year old i i, I do I, I i have a t i have a 10 year old son and uh that's that's my wife's son i also have a 12 year old daughter from a previous relationship but i also have a 20 year old daughter who is about to make me a grandfather here in october and uh right. she lives in vancouver yeah i had uh i had three kids with uh three different women in three different provinces most guys measure their dicks in inches. I measure mine in kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that almost sounds like a, a song too, doesn't it? Three, three yeah. kids in three, three different women in three different provinces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You, you know, look, looking back, like obviously, if, if you don't have children, you'll never under, fully understand it until you do. But I wouldn't like, I wouldn't take away my children forever. But I definitely should have thought that through a little more. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because uh, it affected not just me, but it affected them as well. I definitely try and maintain uh, as good a relationship I can with my children, right? Like I talk to my oldest daughter quite a bit. And I spend quite a bit of time with my youngest daughter as well. And uh, my oldest daughter plays guitar too. And, you know, she, she's had some addiction issues herself. And she's so much like me that it's scary. You know what I mean? Like it's scary, yep. right? And uh, now, now that she's having her first child and she settled down with a decent guy and 
you know, so she's making some positive changes in her life and I hope, I hope it all works out for her. So I'm hopefully the restrictions are loosened enough so I can go see my grandson in uh, October. He'll be, he'll be born. So I hoping on heading out there for a little while. Like he's going to be born at the end of October. So we start recording about the 11th of October. So I'll take a, a five day break and I'll fly out there and then I'll come back. And so it's, uh, yeah, the, our, our, our future is so bright right now. And it's just, it, it's awesome that, that people are so receptive to local music, right? Like I've always noticed I've lived all over Canada and I've always noticed that Saskatchewan is one of those places where people are just super hyped on local music, right? Like they love it. Just absolutely love it. Bands become hometown heroes, like legends get made over these bands and stuff. And it's just such a cool experience to be like, uh, I became friends with uh, Earl, Earl, Earl Perria of the Steadies too, right? And uh, Earl's just such a, a fountain of knowledge for the Saskatoon music scene. He's just such an interesting guy. And him and I, him and I just kind of clicked right away when we met. Another guy that I met in the Saskatoon music scene uh, is Matt Stinn. He owns uh, Rainy Day Recording Studio here in Saskatoon. I actually did my album with him. And he's another one of those guys who's just such a, an addition to a scene. You know what I mean? Like just one of those right. dudes who's like a cornerstone of it. Like he's... He's just such a good dude and he's, and he's such a perfectionist with quality control that when he, when he records you, like, even if you're comfortable with it and he's not, it's, it's, you're not done yet. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, yeah. yeah. And it was really cool because I'd never really recorded before. Right. Like I'd recorded kind of in buddy's bedrooms, you know, you plug in direct sort of thing, but that kind of stuff. I'd never been in a studio with live mics and tracking and things like that. So <clears throat> instead of going in there and seeming like a complete noob, which is exactly what I did, he, um, he wasn't like, holy fuck, buddy, you got to learn, you know, like he, he took his time with me and kind of walked me through it. And right. he just, he, he got such an awesome performance out of me. Like, uh, I never really thought I was much of a singer. Do you guys get a chance to listen to those tracks I sent? Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. I listened to them all today. Yeah. Yeah. That man, that's me singing me. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, he had me doing jumping jacks and, and shit like that in the studio, trying to get a good vocal take. He's like, do a couple laps around the room and stuff. It was just, it was awesome. It was awesome. He's a really cool guy. And, and, and yeah, and, and he also plays in a band, uh, a Saskatoon band called the Night Jays. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them, but they're, they're pretty good. The drummer, Zach Strelioff, did the drums for my album. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> if I didn't have my drummer and Zach didn't play in a band, he would definitely be my drummer. Like, with own question, I would... My drummer, Adam Yeal, uh, he played in a couple bands in Saskatoon. And I think per personally, and this is the first time I've publicly said it, I think he is hands down the best drummer in Saskatchewan. Hands down. Just he's, he's that good. You know, it's scary. Right, right. right. And yeah, my, my guitarist, Blaine, Blaine Dancy, and my uh, bassist, Ador Morgado. They're just, it's funny when you, when you play in a band, you... You, you have like your own kind of style that you play in, you know, like your influences and, you know, that kind of shit. And then you meet guys and then you want to make your own band. That's original music. If you're playing covers, your styles are irrelevant because you're doing other people's music. Right. But if you're doing originals, um, normally you kind of got to compromise a little bit with each other, find something that works and go with us. There was no compromise. We just started playing and that was it, you know? So, um, I've played in a few bands in my life and I never really had that immediate spark like Truth and Agony did, right? So I'm super stoked to see what we can come up with in the future and hopefully we can stay busy. I'd like to record a full-length album this fall. I'd also like to do a four or five song EP this summer if possible, but 
we, we never know if a studio is going to be open one day to the next. And I'd rather not pile a bunch of money paying a studio bill with money. I don't have, if it's not going to happen anytime soon, you know, cause right. they're not, they're not too quick to give you your money back once you've paid it and you made a deal. You know what I mean? So yeah. 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 And hopefully, uh, we can just start putting songs out towards radio and stuff like uh, CFCR here in Saskatoon has a couple local spotlight kinds of things. We send some songs to them. We send some songs, we send songs to everyone, any, anyone that has uh, an internet connection, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. you submitted some songs for what we're trying to do too, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We got your submissions for that too. We're that hasn't been released yet, but we're still working out. Uh, we're ironing out the details on that right now too. Yep. That's super cool, you guys, man. Like, uh, I, I always like obviously major label bands and like big acts and stuff are cool, but when you find the guys that are like mostly dedicated to local music, those are the ones you stick with, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to know what's going on in the music scene, you don't ask the big name bands because they think they are the scene, you ask the local guys, right? They'll that's, tell you what's up. That's exactly yep. it. I like the way you said that, that they yeah. think that they are the scene, yeah. When in, in reality, well, yeah. They're not, it's the well, people around that so, and underneath. So, some of them are some of some of them may have something to do with it but unless you're from like the 70s or the early 90s you're probably not the scene you know when when you have when you have a when you're in a position of of power and authority and where people kind of look up to you 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 sort of got to think before you do things and i'm learning that myself because i'm not perfect in the slightest trust me and uh yeah so i i remember i was in uh, a grocery store and this 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 kid walked up and he must have been maybe 15 or something and he was talking to i assume was his mother and he pointed at me it must have been the face tattoo it always gives me away right his mother came over and she said hey do you you play in a band i said yeah i do she's like oh my son just loves your music so i took a picture with him it was the first time i ever took a picture of someone and it was just and it was just that man and it was the coolest thing you know what i mean like this kid was looking at me like i was from another planet when i'm just a a regular schmuck just like everybody else you know (laughs) And I, and I told him that, and I told him that I said, listen, you know, so just because I play in a band doesn't mean that I'm cooler than you. You know, that, that doesn't mean anything like that. Like kids, kids today, like just need that little kind of positive push because a lot of kids have a lot of esteem issues and shit like that. Right. Because, yeah, for sure. you know, you know, with social media, the way you're conditioned to look and think and feel like it, it's guys our age, like we, we, we obviously don't buy into that because we're a little past that. You know what I mean? But kids today, they do take that as fact and gospel. You know what I mean? They do think that it's so, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you're saying right now. Like the world today, could you imagine like if we had the internet like 30 years ago, Oh, oh God. Like when we were in high oh, school, man. like, Holy shit, man. No, it, it's crazy. Like I would think that like the city that was half an hour away, like, fuck, that was a big place, man. That was a half hour drive away. And now yeah, they're like yeah. fucking Zoom calls with people in the UK and Australia. Yeah, like, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like holy shit, man. You know, it's just it's literally a, a, an internet connection away. Yeah. No dial up. It's all wireless. Yeah. yeah. Man, I, re- I remember when I was a kid. Like we're talking about the wash and slosh days in Saskatoon. That's old I am. I remember if you wanted to know something about a band, like you had to go to their shows and meet their fans. And like, you had to do the work. You didn't just click the button. You can learn everything and anything, get every release they ever had. Like, I remember having like those little mixtapes we used to make on those stereos and stuff. Yeah, Like those yeah, were yeah. prized possessions, man. Like you had yeah. music on there that nobody had, like you were the man, you know what I mean? And now, it, it, and now that, that kind of camaraderie is kind of like, it's not there anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's really not there anymore because because of division and stuff like that you know what i mean like and and 
music is was what this thing that for me always brought people together not separated them you know what oh, i mean and i remember watching like man the the tv was always either on like mtv yeah or music or something yeah. and i always yeah. had a vhs tape queued up yep. and ready to go ready so to go ready to go a yeah. good yeah. song came on you'd hit record and record the video right? i did that with a radio i with, i had my radio? <laughs> i had my i my first radio show that i did myself was a microphone stuck between two speakers and I hit the Michael Jackson bad CD, I hit play and I, I announced the first song that showed up, stuck the microphone between the two speakers and let that record and sit there for a little bit. Yeah. And the song cool. was on the microphone again. And then, and so then I, cool. Yeah. And then I recorded all the, the songs from the radio and did the same thing and I, I made that on the tape and I yeah. announced it myself. And Fuck yeah. Your own little, in, little intros and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, cool, exactly. man. That's Did you cool. remember um, like I remember Prince Albert radio station had like top six at six. Yeah. Still, yeah. They still oh yeah. They still do. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. And then like top I mean, five and five. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was like, yeah. Fuck it. Isn't it like ACDC at three at one point? Yeah. But anyways, like the top six at six, depending on like what songs were playing is you would get like the top hits there and then just be a regular listener and make my mixtape throughout that. Right. Like, yeah. 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 When a new song would come and it was, it, such bullshit though right because it's all the same songs for like fucking oh yeah like fucking joey lawrence was the top requested song of the day like get the hell out of here yeah come on lawrence come on (laughs) you know what i mean you didn't get any phone calls for this song yeah nobody called (laughs) no don't right fuck out of here three weeks in a row fuck off (laughs) yeah your your girlfriend made you play it right like come on (laughs) treat me like a sucker you know and it worked like I remember, I remember, I remember uh, when Nirvana unplugged in New York, like the actual concerts came out. I remember I recorded it on a VHS tape. Right. I remember, yeah. Wa- yeah, I remember like it, that was he, like he had just died a few months before they released it. And then they released the concert footage. And it was the first time anyone like the CD wasn't even out yet. They released the concert footage. And I remember watching it and being like, man, like this guy is a performer. There's something special about him. And then I remember, oh, yeah, he just killed himself, you know, like, uh, yeah, he was Nirvana was a huge influence on Truth and Agony. Huge, huge, huge. I remember watching like on much music like the lithium video and stuff and seeing him run and jump into the drums and being like, you know what? That probably hurt like a motherfucker, but I am going to do that someday. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So the, the the safe injection site in Saskatoon, because they got their funding denied, um, they were considering doing a festival this summer by the skate park in Saskatoon. So a big outdoor show. And they asked if we'd take part in it and immediately without even consulting my band. I was like, yeah, we're there. And then I asked them if they wanted to be there after. And of course they're down. Right. But still right. that's, yeah, that's still the kind of show that you just, yeah, you don't miss something like that, you know? And especially if they get the, the permits to do it because people have been screaming for live music, the entire city will come see that show. The entire city will be there. It'll be yeah. a sellout. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and we're super stoked to do it. And uh, maybe I'll get a chance to do that drum thing I was talking about. You never know, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to. I literally cannot afford to be like a guitar smashing band, but I, I think I might have one I can do it with. Yeah, right. it might <laughs> yeah. be the one and only time you get to do it, man. So yeah, you, you know that. exactly, exactly. When I think of regrets, fellas, when I think of regrets, I don't think of anything that I did. I think of the things that I didn't get to do. You know what I mean, right? right. Like yeah. the things that yeah. I wanted to do and didn't. I regret that. You know. But like, yeah. like, yeah, sure. I shouldn't have done some of the, well, some of the, 
all of the multitude of stupidness I've done in my entire life. But I don't regret it because it made me what I am today, you know? So and, and put I, you where yeah. you are. Yeah, I, I get it, man. Totally. I, 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 like, if, if you're going to learn a hard lesson, yeah, it's going to hurt. And yeah, you should take something from it. Definitely. Like, when I went to prison, I definitely took something from it. There is not a chance I will go back because I learned from it. I was also in that. I was also in that riot in 2016 in PA Penn. There. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, it, it was brutal. Two guys got killed. Like six six million dollars in damage. I didn't know concrete could burn. It does. It really does. I think it's the paint that was on it, right? But yeah, it was just it, pandemonium for 12 hours. And I'm, I'm not involved in like gang culture or anything like that. That's their business. But when it comes to prison, they definitely have a say in the way you do your time. So. Yeah, it was one of the few times in my life I was really wondering if, like, man, am I going to survive this? Am I going to make it through? You know, like I've never been in a car accident, knock on wood. I've never. Uh, I, the only time, only times I've ever come close to dying was ODing, which was my own stupidity, right? But that was the time where I I realized that I wasn't in control of the situation and that something bad could happen at any moment. Right. But I also didn't owe people money. I didn't run my mouth. I didn't talk shit. I didn't cause problems. So nobody had, I, I was a nobody. And it was the one time in my life I was grateful for that fact. Very. And so, yeah, they shipped me to Nova Scotia. And I went out to Nova Scotia and finished my time up out there. And they, the, the prison I was in in Nova Scotia was night and day compared to Saskatchewan. I don't think there'd been a fist fight in that prison in 12 years. Like people just didn't fight. There was, there was never never problems like there's no gangs there for starters right so there there, there's no nova scotia how did you end up yeah because my 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 prison was my 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 unit was destroyed they they closed my my part of the jail it was it was absolutely destroyed so they sent me to the maximum security unit in quebec and then they sent me to nova scotia they flew me out there chained to the floor oh there we go huh yeah yeah whenever they transfer prisoners you have to be chained up right because there was nothing closer. Uh, How did that work? I know the only the only closest one was Drumheller, and it was full. BC was full. Ontario was full. Stony Mountain was oh, full. I see. And yeah, because yeah. I'm not a, because I'm not a gang member, it limits where I can go. Some jails are for gang members only, right? If you have to be a gang member to go there, and I'm yeah. not one. So they sent me to a medium security in Nova Scotia, and it was the easiest time I've ever done in my life. I had nothing but good good things to say about it. I made some lifelong friends there. And I definitely learned from my mistakes and you won't be seeing me in prison anymore. That's for sure. Right. No, no way. Well, I, I wasted three years of my life. I'm never going to get that back. Three years of my life because, because I was an idiot. Right. And yeah. going to prison is usually uh, a preventable thing for the most part. Right. And uh, I had no excuse for it to not be preventable. And all I can do is learn from it and do something else with my life. And that's what I, that's what I chose to do. And, and music, my, my wife my, and my band really, really did save my life because I was in trouble. You know, I was, uh, I wasn't happy with myself. I was really hurting inside. I was coming off of drugs. I was coming out of prison. Like I just, I didn't really have that good of a future. So, so I, I want to ask, so like you said that you like recorded the songs that we were listening to today, like you said, you recorded those basically before you had the band put together. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to ask, how did you get in touch with like, your bandmates and like, how did that form and get to happen? You know what I mean? Good, good question, my man. So what happened was uh, I met my drummer, Adam first. Um, I had made a post on the truth and agony page and someone who knew Adam 
messaged me on the page, not my personal profile, but the, the band page. And so I messaged Adam and said, well, hey, you know, why don't you come for a tryout? So he brought his drums over to my house. And uh, um, within within five minutes of playing with him, I knew he was the guy. Like I was just, right. I, I, yeah. I offered him, I offered him the gig. He took it. And he introduced me to our guitar player, Blaine, because he used to play in a band with him. And Blaine, who's uh, who takes skateboarding pretty seriously, met our bassist, Ador, at the skate park because Ador is like a BMX kind of guy. Okay. And so I met Adam, who introduced me to Blaine, who introduced me to Ador, and it all happened in the span of a month. Nice. And oh. yeah, and we just started practicing be. together. Yeah, we just started practicing together. Like I, when you when you think of putting a band together, you expect so much more headaches. And I just didn't, I didn't have them, you know, like, uh, I didn't have to like school anyone. I didn't have to train anyone. I just kind of showed them the sort of the gist of the tune and I wanted them. I didn't want them to come in and me tell them what to do. I just wanted to give them the basic and then you go on your own and show me what you could do. <clears throat> so, uh, all of them got, uh, permanent positions and that's it. They're full, full band members. And we're already writing our second album, which will be named, uh, Starlight Tours. Yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Super stoked. Super stoked. Yeah. And is, uh, I'm sorry, is that the one that you said you're going to be recording in Vicount or are you recording in, in, ones in Vicount? No, no. This, this one rage a day was recorded uh, here in Saskatoon at rainy day recording studios. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Our, our, yeah. our second album starlight tour will be in Vicount at uh sound castle with Chris Douglas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it, it, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's so cool to have just a bunch of dudes on the same page. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to, I don't have to carry anyone. No one has to carry me. Like we're all contributing. We all do a little bit of songwriting. We all have a say and a vote and it's not just there. The pressure isn't on me to produce tons and tons of songs and then teach them to these guys. And then we record them. We, the first album, I said, I have to teach you these tunes for live purposes. Every album after that, we, we write it together. And, yeah. and so we got registered with SoCan and, we just uh, we're in the middle of putting the tracks through SoCan now, so we can press these CDs and get it get it out there, and we can start playing it as soon as we're allowed to, I guess. Yeah, freaking right. Yeah. So to go back to all the way to the beginning, you got yeah. off an, an interview with one in New Zealand. How yeah. does someone in New Zealand find a Saskatoon band? Um, a friend of mine had told me about this. Uh, New Zealand radio station, this Galaxy 107 FM, that was kind of they had they had seemed like a preference for Canadian bands for some reason. I guess the, their listeners want Canadian music, so I, I introduced myself to uh, Barbara Harkin, who's uh, the, the morning co-host, and she she asked for a couple of my songs, and I and I sent her a few tunes, and she just she just loved them, and she asked if uh, I, I would want to do an interview. So I said, sure. And I did it. And now they're waiting for the whole album. They want to do a full album release over there. Um, our first, oh, yeah. yeah, our first single lead the way um, got uh, somebody shared it down there. What is what happened? And then college radio picked it up and then they've just been blowing it up ever since. So at any time uh, we sent music, as soon as it gets released, like they, they were playing lead the way for about a week before they said who it was and like they were getting requests almost every day for the song. Right. So they figured they'd do an interview just the way they do things is really cool. And they're really knowledgeable people, DJ Grant and Barbara Harkin down there. Yeah. Super cool. They do kind of like what you guys do, just also focusing on international music, especially Canadian. They have a lot of uh, country singers on there for some reason, but seems they liked our tunes. So cool. Huh. Right. 
Interesting. That's going to be us. This that is us. Well, with yeah. the radio show, though, I mean. Oh, like that. Yeah. Well, that's that's the plan. I'm excited to get that radio show out there. Actually, yep. I was giving Mark shit about it today. What What are you guys to... trying to do? You, you guys You guys trying to go a little bigger than you are right now? Well, it's, it's not about. It's honestly, it's really not about us getting any bigger. It's just no. about us helping indie music get out there. Yeah. So cool. right now we do the podcast, and yeah. we've been talking to you, but we haven't heard any music. The problem yeah. is that you can send us music. Yeah. But if you distribute it through through, let's say, CD Baby. Yeah. We attach that song to the YouTube video, then YouTube is going to flag us. Yeah. For yeah. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't like that. So yeah. then figured, well, maybe if we separate it and do an audio only show and yeah. then really showcase the music, because right mm-hmm. now we're meeting the people. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like the people like, yeah, this show, I guess that's a good way to explain it. The show is more of a, the people behind the music. Yeah, that's this, cool. This show. This show. And yeah. then the radio show is going to be the music. the music. The music, yeah. In front, in of, front the of the people. people. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's really like we haven't, like we're very close to be releasing it right now. Like it's seriously, it we're freaking right there, man. Like I don't even want to say too, too much about it. But <coughs> essentially the concept is like it's just going to be, it's not going to be a whole shit ton of commercials or ads. Yeah. It's going to be like the song. And us, like, we don't even, this is where we're at. We don't know if we're going to be talking before or after the song, explaining who the song is and what it is. Like, really, we just need to make up our minds if that's before or after the song. And then that's the show. Yeah. Right? yeah. We'll play yeah. a song that was whatever by Truth and Agony. Yeah. And then dive right into the next song. That was whatever, whatever by Chris Henderson, whatever, whatever yeah. by Lee yeah. Wolves on and on and then do that for a half hour or an hour that's another thing we need to decide yeah and then it's, it's just a little put it we, out there that's we all have the is. global concept in in mind we just have to figure out the little details like you know how long is it going to be how are we going to introduce this uh we need to get joe from the limbo <coughs> podcast on board because he's going to do some vocals on for us right yeah um just just little things and that- then we're like we're not going to anybody to put it out like we're just going to put it out there cool yeah cool you guys like, can start having your own uh you guys could start putting on your own shows like festivals and stuff like that acoustic shows in the studio we, that kind of shit that's, we've that's joked, part joked of the that plan. idea around there what was it moose fest moose fest yeah is, cool. is the name. when when we do it that's what it's called moose fest. so Yo, last year last year the, was just just on the name of your fest alone we want to play it okay. <laughs> you're invited just because you'll yeah be right on yeah you'll be yeah. there man you're in yeah so last year was uh uh the five-year anniversary of the record store. Um, cool. And last year we were supposed to uh, organize this festival, but yeah, 2020 happened. Yeah. So now we're on six years and we're still not doing a festival. So yeah, maybe time, the time, year, time is rape. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> we, we, we're, we're all about, uh, we're all about promoting like homegrown shit. You know what I mean? Like home, other other bands. Like uh, one thing I've noticed about bands here in Saskatoon is we all kind of help each other out. You know what I mean? Like if we were playing a show, for examples, with the with the Steadies, and say Earl breaks his string, he can easily grab our bassist bass and finish the show, no problem. We wouldn't even right. think twice. You know, like that kind of stuff, right? I couldn't yeah. imagine yeah. Play, sharing sharing a stage with bands that were like that. Uh, a friend of mine, who will remain nameless for the story, was playing with. Um, Mariana's Trench 
and uh, their singer, like they have their drum riser and they had a sign that said, don't put anything on the drum riser. So the opening band, which my friend was in, played, and then their bass player put his water bottle on the drum riser. And in front of the crowd, the singer of Mariana's Trench walks out and slaps his bottle off the drum riser. Like, just being a dick, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't imagine playing with bands like that. Couldn't imagine it, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, seriously, I know, seriously. That, that, um, but what you're saying about, like, the scene in Saskatoon, how everyone's, like, you know, out, like, supporting, not supporting each other, but... um promoting each other and like yeah, you know just yeah. being kind to one another and stuff yeah. like i totally i see it too man I, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah like like like, girl, like, like if, we were, if, we, if we were doing a music video right? i would wear like i would wear like a steadies t-shirt in it kind of thing you know like that kind of stuff right yeah yeah you got, <coughs> yeah totally get it man. so you're so you're saying you need a funky moose t-shirt sure yeah yeah i got some truth and agony ones here too <laughs> yeah we uh Actually, we we actually sold out of our kids' ones. Yeah, there's our logo right there. Yeah, not oh, bad. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Hell I'll yeah. send you if you if you guys give me a, a mailing address, I can send you to. No problem. Yeah, we'll cool. we'll exchange. I'll send you some of mine. Cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, Love it. I but like I was is like how Earl Earl was how how we got in touch with each other. Yeah, he is. And then, yeah. Like, I don't know if do you know who Aspen Beverage is at Skull Creek Studios? Have you heard I believe, of him? I believe I've heard of him. Yeah. I don't think I've met right? him though. No. Like he's he's awesome guy to meet. Like I, I really think you should meet him too. Like he's yeah, cool. You know, uh, sent some people our way and we've been in touch with him too. And just like hell yeah, man. Like everybody in Saskatoon in the music scene that I've met personally. Like I love like everyone's like open arms with yeah. everything. It's, yeah, it's me too. You know, like I've met a couple other bands here in Saskatoon, Chasing Illusions, like their lead singer Dawson and I are really, really tight. Uh Musqua is another band here. Their singer Christine and I are pretty tight too. You know, like it's it like we we just we all really, really like what each other's doing, you know. And we're all really supporting yeah. each other, especially right now because gigs are so small, you know, like stages yeah. are so small. So anytime we ever get asked to play automatically, one of the first things we ask is if we can have an opening band, even if it's for three songs, at least they're getting out there. Right. And we'll get one of our friends' yep. bands to come play, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and... yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just agreeing with you. I was saying exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, if it, let, let's say, let's say, you know, the, the clouds open up and all of a sudden we get a huge major label, multi-billion dollar record deal. One of the provisions in my contract would be that I get to hire my own crew and every one of my friends gets a job. Everyone. Whether it's driving, being a roadie, cooking, just, you know, rolling dubs, like whatever you got to do. Everyone gets, a, <laughs> everyone gets a job. Everyone gets a job. Because I couldn't imagine succeeding and not having my people with me to, to be successful. Yeah. You know, I just... I, I, you trust, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like... Yeah. Um, I, I, I know I, I, I thank God I've never had any, any terrible nightmares, but when I first started out, I had this guy who like wanted to manage me, you know what I mean? And he's pretty involved in like the hip hop scene and he knows some people and stuff. And in the time I was with him over 30 days, he signed me to a contract and everything. And like I, all the gigs I went and got myself. And so I didn't have to pay him because he didn't get them. And then he started complaining. He wasn't making money. And I'm like, well, you've done nothing. You know what I mean? To, <laughs> to do anything so why am i going to pay you for work i did like why would i pay you for that 
and yeah, and he and he went online and and he slandered me really personally. You know what I mean? And it was it, it was a nothing thing that cost him nothing, cost me nothing, and then you made it real personal. So I absolutely refuse to work with with managers anymore. Like I just I won't do it. You know, I'd rather do it myself. Why would I pay someone when I'm perfectly capable of doing it myself? Some people some people won't do it because they they don't have that they they can't handle the confrontation because sometimes you're gonna play and guys aren't gonna want to pay you. You know what I mean? And they and you can't be a yes man in the music business. If someone's like, oh, I said, I said two thousand, but I only got eight hundred. Here you go. Well, no, that wasn't the deal. You know. So uh, having people yeah, that yeah. you having people that you can trust that and also people that know what they're doing so they can catch things that you don't. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I I hear a lot of horror stories about, especially in Canada, mostly in Ontario and BC, not so much here, but ban signing these contracts literally without reading them and realizing that they have to put out 10 albums in five years and tour all that time and you just lock yourself into this crazy contract that you're never going to fulfill and never could even if you had 24 hours a day to do it now you owe a bunch of money right yeah and 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 it really really hampers a lot of people from getting involved in the music business is knowing that there's a lot of those kinds of predators out there and stuff and kind of like the music scene here in Saskatoon where people are saying it's predatory, right? I'm sure in, in, I'm sure in some cases it has been, you know, but for the most part, no, it hasn't. And I know for sure that no one gets treated like that at truth and agony shows ever. Because if I seen somebody who was doing that to a girl in a, in a crowd at one of my shows, I would put my guitar down. I would jump off the stage and I would punch the guy the fuck out. And that's that. Right. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't I, put up. Yeah. I went to, I, Janelle and I saw, um, Monster Truck and Billy Talent in Regina. With this. Monster Truck is really good. They're really good. I Yeah, I like them. Um, yeah. But there was something going on. Like, from where I was sitting, I couldn't exactly see what the hell was going on. But it was getting a little rowdy in the crowd. Yeah. Right. Oh, were you, the in the, were you in the, the stadium or were you in a club? Oh, it, was, no, it, was in a, it was in a stadium. Just oh, outside. it was in the stadium. Yeah, I can't remember that. I'd have to check again where exactly it was in Regina. Yeah. But the anyways, Brand Center. Ah, fuck, I don't remember, man. But anyways, it, it was getting a little rowdy right in front of the stage. And what I thought was like first class was Billy Talent stopped in the middle of the song. And they were like, what the fuck are you guys doing, man? Yeah. Like, we're here to have a good time and you guys are fighting and getting rowdy. Like, we're not going to play again until you guys get the fuck out. Yeah, beat it, man. Yeah, and, and that's sure. what happened. I was just like, holy shit. Like, I remember yeah. uh, Dave Grohl doing the same thing. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's well known big for arena. that. Yeah. Yeah. There was one guy that was being an asshole and he just stopped you. Yeah. yeah you look at me. Out. You're coming to my show and you, you pull that shit. No, you're out. Yeah, get yeah, him out get of the here. Fuck yeah. out. Beat it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was the coolest thing. Well, yeah. You know, you know, like, and, and, yeah. and he's right. You are there to have a good time and you are paying money to have a good time and you're paying me money to, to come to my shows, to have a good time and feel safe. So there is no way that I would just allow that kind of stuff to go. It, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. My, the guys in my band would say something too. Like uh, we're, 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 we're not, we're not the kind of person who's just going to do that for the money and, and let someone, you know, like that's you ruin someone's fucking life that way, man. Seriously. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. have to, and, there, and there's no way that bands can be like, Oh, we don't know what's going on. Like there's no way you don't know what's going on. I know what's happening with every facet of my band and my crew and everyone who's associated with my band. Because it, I, I, as I'm learning right now that I also represent the guys in my band. So I can't go to a bar and act like an asshole to people because it makes Ador and Blaine and Adam all look like dickweeds, right? right. Yep. So, so I just don't go to the bar. 
I, I, I've never been much of a drinker, so I just don't go to the bar unless I'm playing anyway, right? But right. people, people once they, they like I've always said that al- alcohol should only be served shows up to certain amounts. Like you, you go into a show and you buy a ticket and it only has four little slots. You can only have four drinks, right? That's it. Because if you're going somewhere and you're over serving people, what do you expect's going to happen if you're at a rowdy show and, you know, right. girls are walking around dressed provocatively, acting, acting provocatively, also drunk, you know, like you, people don't know what they're doing, right? It's just yep. a recipe for disaster. And, and what's happening right now in the music scene is that anytime that you've ever acted inappropriately, people can come out of the woodwork 20 years later and ruin your life yep. and ruin your career. You know what I mean? Yep. So, and when you think of the word sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like, uh, yeah, sometimes it isn't always so nice and pretty, right? And I'm also guilty of not treating women very nicely. I've never, never sexually assaulted or raped a girl, but I've definitely been in trouble, you know? And, and do I have to worry about someone coming out of the woodwork and being like, well, hey, like this happened, you know? So we also want to give voices to people and we also want to listen to people, but we're also not going to give a platform for people who are on a witch hunt, right? And, and, and the problem in Saskatoon with yeah, some of these, was, and the pro- yeah. And the problem with Saskatoon with some of these bands and some of these incidents is, have happened years and years and years ago. And the timing is kind of weird because some of these bands just got record deals and stuff. And now you come forward with it. I'm not saying it didn't happen or diminishing, diminishing it in any way, but it's, it's a shitty situation for everyone involved. And there's going to be no winners until something changes. Like it's, it's just going to keep happening and keep happening and keep happening. And people's lives are getting ruined. Your livelihoods are getting ruined. Like you know, people are going to jail. People are going to jail and, and stuff like that. Right. So it's, it's, it's a really, really treacherous slope kind of thing right now. And especially in venues where people are feeling unsafe. Like I've been to many venues here in Saskatoon. I've been to the many shows at the Capitol here in Saskatoon. And I personally have never noticed anything amiss there. You know what I mean? But the way COVID is going is it's shutting down our venues. I don't know if you guys know the Garrick theater in Winnipeg. I no, I don't. No, it's, no. it's, uh, I, I believe it's a venue that's been open for almost 90 years in Winnipeg. Like uh, I think the guests who started kind of had their first big gigs there sort of thing. Like it's, okay. it's a part of the, yeah, it's a part of the music culture. Imagine SAS place closing or Centennial auditorium closing. It's the equivalent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of these venues aren't able to withstand COVID, right? They just, they, they can't, they, they can't financially, it's not financially feasible. So we are literally losing our places to, that, that are having venues, right? And if COVID's sticking around, the days of us renting a hall and throwing our own shows are over, which was the way indie bands made a lot of money back in the right. day. You get a couple right. of your be- your friends. Yeah, you guys, we've all been to those shows. And they were the best. They were the best, you know? And because you got to see all your friends' bands and stuff, and like you, the guitar player would stop in the middle of the song to shake your hand because you know them, you know? Like that, those kinds of shows, they're awesome. <laughs> they're the best. They're yeah. the best. And they're a dying breed now. They're 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 going the way of the dodo, and it's and it's really really bad because uh, if you're not a big name band, are you not going to be able to play anywhere? Like, do you have to be in a stadium to play? Because I know Truth and Agony, we're not we're not at stadiums right now. We couldn't fill SAS place, but the only way to get there is through having tons of small shows and and touring and having your name brought out there. And we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, the footwork. Yeah. A lot of bands, well, it, it's, it's getting a lot easier to get noticed now. I've heard of bands getting record deals without ever playing a live show. Like, I've, I've heard of that. Like, that's, that's insane yeah. to me. I, I've never, I, I could never understand that, you know? Like, uh, I, I always thought that bands, before you can consider yourself like a full working professional band, you should have played at least 100 shows, you know? Like, 
you, you should have, whether they're five people or 500, like at least small shows. And, you know, your van had to have broken down five times on the way there and three on the way back. And, <laughs> you know, you, you sent your road crew out to go find a girl for the evening. So we'd have somewhere to do laundry that night, you know, like that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you, you use your CDs to roll joints on, not to sell. Right. Like, yeah. Man, it's right. just, <laughs> and, and, and that's the good part about music. That was the good part. You know, that, that was the adventure and the fun. I was, uh, 18 years old living in Vancouver the very first time I went on like my kind of quasi first tour uh there's two bands in BC there was three and one of them dropped out so we were friends with another band so they asked us to come we played in Vancouver in in Kelowna in Kamloops in Banff in Edmonton Red Deer in Calgary and back so we rented two 15 passenger vans and it was a bunch of 20 year old kids that had no money and like yeah it was it was pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm surprised we didn't i'm surprised we didn't end up in prison for a very very long time how often did those bands break down all the time all the time <laughs> yeah all the time i remember one of the drummers of the band his dad like gave him a caa card and we all like wrote him a big thank you letter that he bought him that <laughs> thing you know it saved us so many times right like we would change one tire drive 20 kilometers and then the other tire would blow we right. change that one then the other one would blow like it was just non-stop i remember we told uh the rental place it was like if you give us a van that has problems like we're just gonna blow it up and drive it off a cliff it's like it's never coming back <laughs> but we made it home we made it home and like uh so we played about you know 10 to 8 9 10 shows or something like that and we came home with about minus 60 something like that you know so yeah well it wasn't wasn't minus 50 million right so it could have been worse right. yeah yeah but it was awesome because we like we we got out there and we like met fans and, and shit and like we were playing we were playing at shows where there was no stage like we were even with the fans and they were like crashing against us while we're playing and and it was awesome you know what I mean I was just a kid I was 19 20 years old right like I'd never really been away from my parents like I lived in foster care growing up but I never really gone on like something like that you know where there was like a purpose and 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 you you sit down and you think about it when you're my age now at 40 and you think like god i was such a stupid kid like how the <laughs> fuck did i think how the fuck did i think any of that stupid shit was ever going to work ever you know and and now i'm about to do it with my band but it's not so stupid anymore now it's now it's really serious you know like 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 truth and agony yeah truth and agony is more like a serious band like we're starting to i i never really intended us to get like involved in like social issues and stuff but a lot of our songs are starting to become about that because there's some things that we're just really dissatisfied about and we're really uh want to bring some attention to it like one of the things in canada you guys ever heard of the highway of tears i think so uh it rings a bell but yeah so that's a, a highway in northern bc from prince george to prince rupert it's about a 700 kilometer stretch of highway where about 55 women have gone missing or been murdered since the, oh. the 60s yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and like it, it blows our mind that people in Canada don't know what it is you know what I mean like it's, it's just you ask people what a starlight tour is they don't know what it is oh that's such a nice name for an album we're looking at I'm like what you know what it is oh yeah that's the northern lights right we're like yeah that's it yeah that's that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> like uh Saskatoon for forever was this kind of like it was like a bastion of like the ignorant and intolerant for, for me at least you know like uh i remember i lived in i grew up in saskatoon where like 
if you were like, at the time where like for example if you were a homosexual you could get killed for that kind of shit you know what i mean if you had long hair people called you a fag and like you, you know like it was just really really it was a really bullying city like it was a very belittling and condescending city to me and then i went to vancouver where like in saskatoon i was the biggest weirdo ever and in vancouver i was the most normal because right. it's the it's, it's the san francisco it's the california of canada right and I remember standing in downtown Vancouver and looking at like just this sea of people just all oh, it was like rush hour so there's like bike messengers and buses on wires and you can hear the subway and I was just like system overload you know I was just a kid from Saskatoon I was like man I have arrived Jack like this is where I belong and I right. stayed there for and I stayed there for eight years and I had my daughter out there and then I got involved in heroin and well you know all that goes right so mm. <clears throat> it turned out uh turned out good at least it gave me some good content for a couple albums right so i hate writing i hate writing lyrics like i just i find it so tedious and so monotonous and and it actually really hurts too because sometimes when you write songs you have to kind of go into this part of yourself that hurts to 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 talk about it properly you have to go over it and reliving do you find it therapeutic i do i do i absolutely do because it's so much easier to vent to a stranger than someone who knows you. Cause then they're going to be biased. Right. Like, right. Uh, there, there's been times in my life before where, you know, fucking strung out on drugs and stuff. I sat down on a bus bench and literally just talked for 20 minutes to some person who I never didn't know their name, didn't see them before, never saw them again, but I felt better knowing that I told someone yeah. about it. You know, I'm sure they probably looked at me like I was an escape mental patient the entire time, but I, I, was talking about something that bothered me that I couldn't tell my own people because either I was afraid of being judged. I was afraid they wouldn't understand, or I was most likely afraid of being rejected and ridiculed. Right. Right. So, so writing music is, is like talking to a room. Key word there being afraid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I spent so much of my life in fear. You know, I was bullied in high school a little bit, like not to the point where, I was going to bring an assault rifle to school and start shooting people, but uh, I, I didn't deal with, with that. Well, you know, like I, I, I don't really know anyone who does as a teenager because fact of the matter is you're being abused and, and, and people are watching it and either encouraging it, laughing at it, or just indifferent to it, you know? And, and that's why this, the genre of horror movies about kids who get revenge in high school is such a big seller and that's exactly why Columbine happened too, right? Like it was because people were getting bullied, did nothing about it, right? But now it's it's a lot different because there's so many protocols in place for it. Like there's zero tolerance for that shit anymore. Like you get caught, uh, what was that girl's name in BC? Remember that Dutch weirdo who was uh, Todd, oh. Amanda Todd. Yeah, she killed yeah. herself. And the young girl, like she must have been 14 or something. Yeah. There, there, there's laws to protect people from cyberbullying and stuff. And I know a lot of band members, uh, guys in bands who are experiencing like some serious like death threats too, just because of their views on COVID, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's crazy at the end of, at the end of the day, like, um, this, this is music. Yeah, for sure. And it means something, but it's just that, like, you know, like I'm not one of these bands who does something for shock value. I'm not, I'm not Marilyn Manson or any of that stuff. But when you, when you become public with your political views, you leave yourself open to that kind of shit from people, right? Because there's three, th- three, two things that people will always go nuts over is religion and politics. Two things that we don't write songs about. Like we don't really, you know, 
we don't really get into arguments with people about it because it's it's just a never ending a never ending cycle, right? You're never ever going to make everybody happy, and you're never ever going to satisfy everyone, right? So, right, yeah, we, yeah, and and it's hard, and it's really hard too, especially um, in Canada. People are really really pissed off when you try and censor them. Like it's like censorship is just something that people have grown up not used to here. Like we're not used to it at all because we never had to deal with it. Whereas with COVID, so much stuff is being censored now, right? And you, you never know what's the truth anymore. You never know who's on your side. Like, remember at Christmas time, everyone's biggest worry was whether your neighbor would call the cops on you for going to visit grandma for a quick 10 minutes, you know? Like, it, it just it just ripped us apart, man. Like, it just tore us apart. And and the people that are suffering the most, I think, are our kids. Like, uh, I remember a lady giving me shit in uh, an aisle at Safeway, I think oh, yeah. it was because I fucking wasn't following the arrows, God forbid. I leaned in like I was grabbing a box of cereal. That was around the corner. Yeah. And I fucking leaned in to grab something. I well, I was probably maybe let's say six to ten feet in at Two the steps. one end. <coughs> but you but had your mask on. Not, you had your mask on. Yeah. Like it wasn't like oh, I leaned cares? in. Sorry. It was like I actually had to step in there a few feet and she was giving me shit because I went in the wrong way. I was like, are you who fucking cares? kidding me? Like, yeah, who cares? Shut up. Like, settle down. But tell them about her mask. Oh, yeah. It was like under her nose. And then tell, oh, them, yeah. tell them about right. the, the guy behind her. Right. No, that was a different time. Oh, was it? Oh, that one was a different time. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess I, it was twice I was twice. going down the wrong. Oh, yeah, you I'm rebel. Like, Fuck those arrows, man. <laughs> <laughs> I literally say that when me and my wife do it. I say we're rebels. I say that all the time. Yeah. Oh, rebellion. <laughs> rebellion. So this, yeah, there was a lady with her mask like under her nose glaring at me because I was going down the aisle the wrong way. And then I didn't say anything and like whatever, just walked by her. But then there was like this guy, he was like 250 pounds and like 6'4 or whatever. And I'm kind of like, I'm not a big guy and I'm kind of looking at him and I'm like, sorry, man. Like, I don't give a shit. You're a grown ass man. Like, All right, buddy. Like, good. We're on the same page. Like, thanks. Well, some people just take it to the extreme, right? Like, uh, for i think it's i think it's weird that the police like the city police are out enforcing a public health order which isn't a criminal thing right like i i don't know it's uh i you know what i actually watched this video the other day where this woman who was a holocaust survivor believe it or not was uh equating how the lockdowns are similar to the way the nazis came into poland or something like that like and, and she was she made these points and she was in her 90s i think or late oh, 80s or you you cut out at holocaust survivor Oh yeah, she uh, she was equating the way the lockdowns and the restrictions are similar to the way the Germans came into Poland because people think that Germany invaded Poland with guns blazing and bombs and tanks, and they didn't. They came in through the ballot box. Poland voted them in. Yeah, and and the re the reason that they were able to do what they did was because little by little they gave up these freedoms, little by little by little by right, little. Right, right. Yeah, and then by the time they wanted to do something about it. The, they had laws against being there was a law against you being allowed to do something about it right so look what happened and it's you know it's obviously it's nowhere near the the horror and devastation of the holocaust and i'm not trying to minimize it in any way but uh it's it's scary that so many people can just blindly follow something i learned something about this this vaccine um like i said i'm not a conspiracy theorist i don't have the attention span I'm ADHD, as you can tell. I got the I got the attention span of a dust mite on crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, maybe even less. What? Anyway, uh, uh, 
I learned, I learned that the makers of this uh, vaccine, which is like Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca and all that stuff, that if you get the vaccine and you are injured or die, that you cannot sue the makers. That part of the reason Canada got the vaccine so fast was because they signed a no 100% no fault declaration, which is that we can't sue the makers if this vaccine doesn't work. And the reason that it came through is because it's experimental, right? It's an experimental vaccine. There's no way that they came up with a vaccine to solve COVID in, in eight months when it took 10 years to cure polio. Yeah, I've, I've heard something, some similar things to that. If it works, if it works, I'm glad because if we can get back to as normal as we knew it, I'm all for whatever it takes yeah. as long as we don't have to give up certain rights and freedoms, right? Like, I, I wouldn't allow the police to just come in my house and check people's cards if they've been vaccinated. Like, I would never allow that, ever. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we should have to have passports to, to go places, you know what I mean, in, in, our own, in, our own, in our own country. You know, if we want to go to, like, Cuba or something, sure, right? But they want to make passports where if you want to go interprovincially, that you have to have X amount of time here and X amount of vaccine, X amount of, like, I just, I don't agree with the, the kind of the way things are going with it. And it's really scary, you know, because I read this book when I was younger called uh, 1984. It was written by this guy named George Orwell. Oh, yeah. And, uh, have you ever read it? Oh, yeah, it's classic. classic. I, I haven't wrote, read it, but, I, but I, I, I think we have the DVD upstairs. Awesome. Yeah. So what happens is uh, it's, it's in, this book was written in like the 20s or the 30s. It was just before, just during the Second World War, I think, early 30s. And he wrote that in the year 1984, which was the distant future for them, that the government would just have complete say in, in your life. Like they pretty much your walls were pretty much like screens that the government could turn on and watch. And you weren't allowed to think certain things. You weren't allowed to say certain things. You weren't allowed to feel certain things. And like if you anytime you said something against the government, these guys would come to your house in the middle of the night, throw a bag over your head. And no one would ever see you again, act like you never existed. And all your information, like they would go through your garbage, they go through everything. Like it just, and and it, and it's kind of scary how similar, like how accurate he was, right? Like this is like the Patriot Act. Remember, remember, yeah. remember in in nine eleven when nine eleven happened. I was actually living in Vancouver um, when nine eleven happened. How kind of after how the, they had that terror threat? How it was green for normal, orange, uh, yellow, orange, and then red. It never went under orange yellow or red it was always like if you keep people afraid they'll keep buying shit you know what i mean we'll spend we'll spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like with shit we don't need you know what i mean yeah. and that's and that's exactly what's happening I, I i totally think this virus was real this this virus is absolutely real but a bunch of really sick pigs capitalized on it right they saw that they could use social media as an example to uh as an example to show how afraid people are and if people are afraid they'll do anything man they'll do anything if they're afraid right you keep them keep them stressed out and afraid enough they'll keep paying if you keep telling them they have to pay they'll keep paying man they'll do anything when they're afraid people people are being conditioned not to question anymore they're being they're i'm gonna i'm gonna steer it a little off off topic here kind of sure. sort of I, i'm curious what so with everything that we're talking about like and i know you're not a conspiracy theorist or anything no did you hear that, like, was it last week that the Pentagon released that video footage of um, the UFO that they got on film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to watch that. that. That's crazy shit, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? Like, 
for, for years they were kind of putting out well, all these people are kooks they don't know shit yeah. but they and were now right they're like yeah everything's been true for the last 50 years since yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's all true yeah and and you but, know what and people like nobody gives a fuck no, nobody no. knows yeah no <laughs> but they, they also thing. released it a, a couple of videos a, a few months ago yeah yeah, every now and again, there's like a yeah. little bit. Well, that the footage that they released last week of the like the triangular shape there with the green infrared film that was actually filmed in 2019, but it was just leaked out last week. And they, then they're oh, like, yeah, shit. It, seems, it seems like they just released that when there's other news going on. Yeah, and, and you and know, it's I like, kind of thought that too. And then I, all I of a sudden, it's like, oh, but we released it. Like, I mean, yeah. if you didn't see it, then you know, yeah, sorry. And then there's people like there's so many people out there that like aren't even that are oblivious to it. Like there's yeah. fucking aliens out there and people are like have no clue. Yeah. yeah. I just I think that's the I think that's the coolest fucking thing out there, man. I'm I'm 100% sure we're not alone here. Oh, like I agree. Yeah. I don't think we are alone out here neither. No, 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 no. There, there's too much evidence to suggest otherwise, right? Like I'm a I'm kind of like a fact sort of guy. Like if I want to believe something, I got to like see it or hold it. Yeah. Like it has to be tangible. Right. Right. And, and, and there is enough evidence to support that. Yes, we are not alone. There, there's enough right. evidence to support that. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I, just I, I, just I knowing believe... how big fucking space and time is. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. How yeah, naive they're... does one have to really be to think that we are the only fucking living yep. creature like get the fuck out of here man there's yeah, a yeah. One little dot in the universe yeah. in the whole universe that one we're just we're just a speck on a big big blanket man there you know there's two places that we really really don't know anything about one of them is the ocean below us and the sky above us right like we don't know nothing really yeah. like we yeah. know we know but we don't know you know like yeah. uh yep. another thing i also believe in is supernatural i completely completely believe in that and I didn't, I didn't until I went to prison. And uh, when I went to prison, uh, there was on the unit I was in, this is before the riot, at the very end of the cell, of uh, the cell block. So there's uh, 35 cells up on top, 35 cells on the bottom. The top bottom four, the top two and the bottom two are supposedly haunted. People have committed suicide more than five times in each of those cells. And and I I heard it when I got there and I didn't I didn't believe it like you know like I just, right. yeah I, I never I never had uh, an experience or anything like that so this one day uh, in SAS Penn it's not optional that you go to gym like you you have to go to gym you know and the only time you can go back to your tears so guys will purposely leave stuff there so they can run back there and they'll just stay there right but I actually did have to go back there because it started snowing and. Uh, I knew for a fact that I was the only dude in this range. If someone is, if someone was fucking with me, they definitely got me good. Okay. But I knew for a fact that I was the only guy in this range because I was the last one to leave. And as I left, cause I was still new. One of the older guys yelled, Brosty, shut the fucking door. So I shut the door. Cause I, I was the last one. Last guy has to shut the door. So the door was shut. And I was also the first guy to get back to the range at halftime. The door was still shut. I opened the door. And my cell was about eight cells above the bottom tier condemned cells. And they're usually, they're, they're always left open. They're always left open. So when I got to the tier, I didn't notice at the time, but they were closed. Okay. My, my hair is just starting to stand up right now. I go in my cell, I go in my cell and get my jacket. 
And when I came back out, both the doors were open. And like, they... ah. he hung up. Keep recording. Mm-hmm. Maybe his phone died. Oh, that's possible. Right at the end of that fucking story, hey? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Do you ha- anything like that ever happen to you? You ever see some shit? I have, man. Working in care homes. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Dude, man, like, not to get into a long story here. Hopefully he jumps back on, but like working the the graveyard shift yep like that's when a lot of like wheelchairs and stuff like that get sterilized right Mm -hmm. and i remember one just this one time out of many different things that i've seen in on the graveyard shift you get you we would take out the wheelchairs out of the rooms put them station them in the middle of the hallway and then you kind of like sterilize them and then put them back as you go yeah and like oh man this was so long ago but i remember seeing the wheelchair, like my next wheelchair was like four rooms down in the middle of the hallway and I'm sterilizing one and the wheelchair just started wheeling towards me all by itself. Like scared the fucking shit out of me. Me and my partner were talking about, Oh, could you imagine if this place is haunted and stuff? And then all of a sudden we could hear like squeaking. Yeah. And it was the squeaky wheel on the wheelchair that like started wheeling towards us. And we were like a good 30, 40 feet away from this chair and it wheeled right up to us. What'd you do? Just fucking, what can you do? <laughs> Sterilize it. Yeah, pretty much. Just like, that was the fucking craziest thing. You see that <laughs> shit? And then you clean it and you put it back, man. And then there was like door handles with the, you know, like where they, they they're not the turn ups, but they like yeah, go, yeah, yeah. They, they're latched like the that, handles. right? For those of you watching, like I don't know how to explain it, but handles, anyways, door handles. It's a door not, handle, not door knobs, door handles, right? And then so there was a resident that can't move, right? She's like a full lift, and her bed was like ten feet away from the door, and she's in bed. It's the grave. She's sleeping, right? And I'm doing my rounds to check on him, and I get to her door. Her door was closed all the way. And as we get, me and my partner both saw this. We're standing there like this, like whatever, looking at the doorknob, like in arm's reach. And the handle started jiggling and it opened. The door crept, like the latch opened and crept open as if somebody opened it from the inside. And we looked at each other and I pushed the door open and the resident was just lying in bed looking at me. And I could see like the whites of her. (laughs) It was the scariest (laughs) fucking thing ever. And there was nobody in the room, man. Like the door opened by itself. So yes, I believe in that shit. I, like full throttle. I don't have examples. Not that I can remember. Um, oh, the worst was in the kitchen. So graveyard, you had to do the dishes too, right? Yeah. And uh, well, I was on dishes this one night in there all by myself. And then we'd hear, I, I had heard stories. Actually, nothing happened that night. But there were, had been stories in that, you know, you'd turn around and then the cupboard doors would be open and stuff. Oh, man, it was just the eeriest feeling having to be in that kitchen by yourself. And there was a door to the basement that was in that kitchen with like one of those windows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Like I could never be like facing that door at all trying to do dishes. It was like it was just so creepy. Crazy shit. Uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I've, I've had, I don't know, uh, instances where I, I have to believe that there's more, you know, like, uh, I, I fully believe that some, something or somebody saved me from death because I had, um, uh, meningitis when I was a teenager and, um, I I was out of it for a couple of days and I don't remember what's meningitis again is it's um oh it's where your your brain um uh, uh oh man it's hard to explain I know I can tell you exactly how how it works in dutch but <laughs> like the the terminology like there's a say it in dutch no, for the Dutch listeners, there's like, there. come on. So your your brain is wrapped in a in a in a like a like a, ba- a bag, and it has it, it's like, like a, a protective yeah. barrier tissue kind and of that, thing. And that tissue, if that swells, that's caused by either virus or bacteria. Okay. And the bacteria, um, that's oftentimes the lethal one. That's the one I had, and it makes your brain swell. So you have a terrible headache. So I had um, for, I don't know, a few days, I, it felt like my head was in a vice and somebody was cranking it. Um, like a migraine times 10 kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And and to a point where I didn't feel the rest of my body, it was just my head that was throbbing. And then um, uh to release to relieve that pain they uh take the fluids from your head through a spinal tap fuck so um i didn't even notice the needle going in they didn't because your head hurt so bad they didn't even sedate me or anything they just jabbed the needle in there and and sucked it out and and they were like oh are are you okay because normally this hurts i'm like i don't feel anything right so I was in the hospital for about a week and I figured that there, there must have been something more, something other than earthly things that saved me from that somehow. And I can't explain it and I don't want to, but I believe that there was either someone or something that pulled me through that. Right. Like the, like a guardian angel. Yeah. Something of. like that. Yeah. 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 He, uh, his phone did die. Oh yeah. Yeah, he messaged me. He's just gonna let it charge a little bit and he's gonna jump back on here. Okay. Hey, we got hey, you back. Hey, sorry, yeah, my phone died. <laughs> oh That's... put it put it horizontally again. Okay. Turn hold it on, again. Hold on. Yeah. How uh, how was that on the timing of that story too? Yeah. And then all of a sudden just boom. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so I'll finish it real <laughs> we were, quick. We, well, we, we got like, we got to the part where the you, doors were closed. The doors then. were closed. Yeah. Okay, so I came I came out of the cell. And now I've noticed that these doors are closed. Okay. And, and right away you, you got that feeling. You, 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 as soon as I say it, you know what I mean? Where you're like, I am not alone here. Yeah. Like there's yeah. something looking at me. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on, you know? And I looked at the door and right is the door. And okay. Like there, there was no light on in this cell when the door was open, the light flicked on and the door slowly started kind of pushing and you couldn't, there was no hand. Like it was just opening itself. Okay, I gotta stop talking about it. No, no, no. I fucking booked it the fuck out of there. <laughs> no, no doubt, dude. You should have heard the story that I just fucking told Mark while we were waiting for you to come back on here. Yeah, but uh, pretty similar. 
kind of similar that like, I guess I'll say it again, but so I used to work in a care home, right? And this will be one of the stories that I said when you were here, but long story short is, you know, doing my rounds, graveyard shift, me and my partner, and we're checking all the rooms. We get to this one room, the, the patient was like a total lift. So like she couldn't do anything on her own, right? Like needed yeah. her help for absolutely everything. And her bed was like at the other end of the room, essentially. And it was one of those doorknobs. Like it wasn't a doorknob. It was like the door, the, handle. the door handles, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And anyways, so we get to this room and we're, we're looking at the door at the door handle. We're not touching it. And I shit you not, man. It fucking started jiggling and it latched and the door fucking started opening. Yeah. And I just Ooh, looked at my, yeah, at my partner. No. no, get this though. I look at my partner and right away we get that feeling like, what the fuck's happening, right? And the door creeps open and the resident is lying there with her eyes open, just fucking staring at us. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Scared the crap out of us. No, but like there's no in that room, man. And no. the door just fucking, it legit opened all by itself. We were like, what the, like shit like that happened all the time on Graveyard. In man, the I, man I totally believe that I've been I've been train hopping and like I've been in like uh, I've been in like the deep south like I've train hopped into Mississippi and Alabama and like I've been in the swamps and you hear like screams in the night where it sounds like people being butchered even though you know there is no one around for right yeah and fun. like there there's no way they, they it, it, especially in, in Louisiana in the south they have this uh it's kind of like an urban myth like it's it's called the Lugaru which like I speak French, right? So a loup-garou in French is a werewolf, right? But in Acadian means something else, right? And they say that it has this scream that's like, like sounds like either a child or a woman injured. You know what I mean? So right. maybe that's what I heard. I don't, I don't know. Could, could very well be, man. Yeah. But hey, okay. So what we're going to do is if you want to go ahead and just like plug the handles, like where can people find you? Where can they get your music? That, that whole, where's the best place Yeah, yeah. that they can get in touch with you. If you want to just plug those out and then I'd love to be able to end the episode with one of your songs. If we can do that, depending on how you release them. Yeah. Uh, now, did you go through like CD baby? No, we haven't, we haven't even done it yet. We're going to be using distro kid for, for that. Like I, you can play the song that I've sent you. If I need to sign a release or something like it's cool or whatever. You hey, know? I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. okay. Like you already sent it to me as long as we have it on video. If you say, Oh it's yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. It's all good, man. Go ahead. Play it. Yeah. All right. So if you just want to go ahead and, and plug your, your socials there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Truth and agony. We can be found at, uh, at truth and agony, at truth and agony music on Facebook. We've got a pretty good Facebook page um at truth underscore and underscore agony on instagram truth and agony on youtube at truth underscore and underscore agony on tiktok and you can find me on facebook at uh, lucian brosty right on awesome. and we'll have all those in the description of this episode as well yep yeah um all right so thanks again you stay on with us we're gonna say bye to everybody we'll yep. see you yep. guys all next week thanks for hanging out yep.